0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the 1865 match reports. Well, it was a dramatic afternoon at the City Ground, a controversial afternoon at the City Ground. It finished Forest 2 Bournemouth 3 and defeat for Nuno Espírito Santo in his first match in charge of Forest. A game which was dominated by the performance of referee Rob Jones, and we will be talking about his display as we go through this match report. And a tale of poor defending as well from Forrest, allowing Bournemouth to score three goals, or Dominic Solanke rather, to score three goals and condemn Forrest to another defeat, which actually feels quite damaging considering some of the results around Forrest on the weekend with Luton winning and Burnley winning as well at Fulham. So it's Stephen here, and I've got Tom and Baz with me. And first question,
2: chaps, have you calmed down yet? No. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> Not really.
2: <laughs> no. The, the, the decisions yesterday, the first for the, um, the sending off, well, there's a few, wasn't there? But the one for the sending off, the penalty call, and to give Bournemouth a drop ball, when our player got fouled right at the end with that challenge on Yates. Yeah, the, especially the uh the sending off. That is the shittest decision I have ever, ever seen watching football in 30 years. It's awful. And um, we'll probably uh, dissect it a bit more uh, in the next couple of minutes, but that is an awful decision. It just shows that Rob Jones has never played the game at any level of football, period.
1: Hard to disagree with that. And let's have a quick look at the Forest team news. So two changes from the team that lost to Spurs. In came Chris Wood and Divock Origi, out went Czech Cuyate and Moussa Niacate. So it looked more like a 4-2-3-1 that Nuno chose in his first game with Turner in goal, a back four of Williams, Bolly, Murillo and Toffolo. Yates, Mangala with Gibbs White just in front, and then Alanga, Wood and Origi almost as a a sort of front three. And on the bench, Laca Tavares, Cuyate, Hudson-Odoi, Dominguez, Nikarte, Danilo, Montiel, and Aina. i um, probably no real surprises in that team selection. I, I, I think really what Nuno's done is gone with the, the roughly the team that Steve Cooper was running with in his final games in charge, with a slight tweak in the formation, going to a back four, and really the sort of, the form players were in there, weren't they? I
0: was a bit surprised to Borghi starting, um, but. It kind of made sense, give him a chance and whatever. But the the thing I thought about it was, when I, when I saw the team news, I was like, how how is this lot going to line up? And then it's like, yeah, that's a four two three one um, kind of thing. And I think the point of it, and which is probably, well, we'll probably discuss this later a bit more. But I think the point of it was he wanted to put Gibbs White in the centre. Because Nuno's famed for playing that 3 like 4 three, four, three sort of thing, which I thought was probably a good thing for when he when he came to us, because obviously we've played that way several times. But yeah, I thought he wanted to put Gibbs White in the centre to, to make him have the influence in the game. And um, we'll talk about this as well. Throughout the game, I think he was trying to build everything around Gibbs White, which was interesting.
1: And I think Gibbs-White had a decent game, actually. So you can hmm. see where he was made as that sort of focal point in that formation. And it did seem to get quite a good performance out of Gibbs-White. And he was unlucky to not score, actually, later in the game, a clearance off the line by a Bournemouth player. Um, let's get back to the the start of the game then. Forrest had two early chances, Wood and a Langer. The first one, Wood, was uh, where he, he carried the ball forward, Knocked it past the Bournemouth defender, but shot straight at the keeper. Alanger as well dribbled into space outside the box. And again, was a tame effort that the keeper dealt with quite easily. Uh, and then four minutes in, Willy Bolly, he was booked for a body check on Dominic Solanke, who'd just beaten him for pace. Um, probably no complaints with that. I thought maybe with it being early in the game, he might've got away with it, but it was a yellow card and... I remember thinking, well, he's going to have to be careful now. This is a long, ninety minutes ahead for Willie Bolly. Turns out he's only on the pitch for another twenty, if that. And it was the twenty-third minute when the the controversy really kicked off in this game. And it was Bolly who made, first of all, made a good tackle on Dominic Solanke, and then the ball's running loose. Adam Smith running in for it. Bolly's running in for it as well. Bolly takes the ball cleanly. And Smith collides with him in the follow-through. Looked a perfectly good tackle from my vantage point, Brian Clough stand. I was right on top of it. It was clear as day that Bolly won the ball, but overcame the referee Rob Jones, brandished the yellow card, almost without thinking. It's like he was ready to to dish out a card and send the player off because it didn't take any time to reconsider the decision. Yellow card, Bolly was off for a second, booking. And I think everybody was just stunned and actually angry as well. With We just couldn't quite believe what, what we were seeing, were we? What was your vantage point on it, Baz? Were you... Were you oh, the I'm,
0: I'm, a, I'm the Brian Clough, and as it happened in real time... I thought, Bolly's won the ball there, and then Smith's tripped up over his trailing leg and hurt himself. Because, yeah, Smith was, like, lying on the floor. And um, I thought, yeah, so he's tripped up over him and hurt himself. So I was really surprised to see the yellow card in the first place. And then in our group chat, like, as as the game went on, we uh, there's a video of it, and you can see that, actually, Smith's stood on Bolly's leg, outstretched leg. So if anything, it's reckless play by Smith the other way. So it should be a card the other way. But it was absolutely shocking. And yeah, he had no hesitation in doing it. It was like he'd just seen something completely different to everyone else in the ground.
1: Yeah. And looking back at the decision, you can watch it a hundred times. It just and it just gets more baffling every time you see it.
0: They were saying, like, if you watch something in slow motion, it highlights all the stuff, but you can watch it. The the video we had that was going around our group chat wasn't in slow motion, and you can see it quite clearly there. I could see it from the stands (laughs) quite clearly. So, yeah, I don't know what he was thinking or why why he gave it and what he's thinking now, (laughs) because that's the thing. It's like, they look back and think, actually, I made a mistake there. Or does he think, well, screw the lot of them?
1: Yeah, it, and VAR can't get involved with that, apparently, because of it being a second yellow card. So,
2: But but, it's the, but it goes on to, the, you know, when it's like a clear and obvious error, mm. it's astounding that it's like, in that moment, you know, if it's like one of those, it's like, yeah, is say it for some of instances, like he's tripped him, yeah, all right, it's a bit soft, but, it's, but that is so wrong of the game that you cannot go and... VAR, i I get the the rules were there set in stone at the start of the season, but you should like whoever was on VAR, it's like Rob, you made a monumental mistake on on a just go and have a look at your screen. If you can't do that with the technology, but it goes to prove the technology is there, but it's the cretins what are setting the rules and, and things like that. And anybody's not played, like it, it's not, it's
0: it's a game changing thing. So course. why yeah. isn't VAR allowed to, to intervene and, at that point?
2: And that could, uh, like, I know this 38 games over a season. I know there's, like, a lot can go for you and against you in a 38-game season. But you could look back in this game in, um, in May and that could cost the club 100, 200 million quid in lost revenue because of some idiot who's never played the game of football. The ball went forward. You know what I mean? It's not like gone out mm. for a throne or something like that and he's got a bit of the ball... He's got the ball. So true. His, so absolute. His um, feet and studs were on the ground. It's not yeah. like
0: he was waving him about. Yeah,
2: yeah but no. it. But I, the, I'm not like um, condoning anything. What Rob did because he was the like I said the worst referee we've seen probably ever. The City Ground, the decision what he gave yesterday, but that first booking what he got. So what? So Bolly got in the first five minutes. Solanke was like saying, "Give him a red" because he believed he was through on goal. Whether he's put that a bit of doubt in his head and thinking, "I've made a mistake on the first one," that one he was fortunate for the that one not to get a straight red. I'm going to book him anyway. That's the only. But like I says, neither of them was a It was the first challenge was a booking because he took him out. I get that, but you can't. Go back to that one. I'm thinking, oh, there's a bit of doubt in my mind there, so I'm going to send him off just to make amends. You, you, you can't do that. It's just it's it's corruption in my eyes. Of and the thing is though, this morning or in tomorrow morning or or Boxing Day, what we're going to get are like a little nice written letter from the PG Mol saying, oh, sorry, us, we've made a mistake. Because what will happen is Rob Jones will go and get a a um, a game in like the championship or something like that is a punishment. Why should the championship clubs get punished for in his incompetence? Stry- ban him for a month because that's what needs to happen. These referees need to be accountable. They never come out after the game saying I've made a mistake. I'm sorry. But you know, imagine if this was like a Man United or um, a Liverpool or something like that. We'll never hear the last of it. Oh, because it's like Forest. Uh, they're at the bottom. We don't give a, a two hoots about them. Kind of thing. And that's what it is. And And then people wonder why um, referees are under so much scrutiny because they just don't want to make decisions or their levels of incompetence. They keep making these decisions and everything and nothing happens. It's like, oh, it's all right. We'll just give them a letter of apology, say sorry and move on. And then no wonder why the games as it is in levels of officiating because these occurrences keep happening time and time again when it's meant to be the best league in the world, but we've got the worst officiating in the world kind of thing. It's just shite. It really is.
1: And if you remember, Rob Jones was in charge for our game at Old Trafford earlier in the season when Rashford got the dodgy penalty and Forrest complained about him, to PGMOL. So I, do, I wonder if that was a bit of bitterness from him coming out yesterday as well with his performance, because even outside of this decision with willy bolly he was giving a lot to bournemouth and really sort of stamping down on anything forest related and letting bournemouth get away with so much it was it was not a balanced refereeing display by any means and it spoiled the game and actually he lost control of the game after this and that was that was clear he'd riled everybody up and it was just yeah that was all on him
2: And, and it wasn't just on the pitch was it? He could incite things inside the stadium. People, people could like just totally lose it and cause like things in the stadium. It's like I know, I know people, people say, "Oh, people need to control themselves." But when you're paying your money four hundred, five hundred, six hundred quid for a season ticket, or you paid a match day ticket, which is it, about forty to fifty quid now, and you, if. If you go to a show, or like a theatre or something like that, and the performance vibes is that bad, you'd ask for a refund or things like that, and you've got a referee who think you can do that and then walk away from the city ground uh, yesterday and like not bothered kind of thing. it's it's so wrong. And uh, like and we was like after Bolly got sent off, we was like someone's gonna get seriously hurt because like you've just said, he lost complete control of that match yesterday from start to finish. In the absolute afterwards-
1: Sorry, it well, oh, Just a word
0: on Iriola as well, because he got a yellow card at that point because he was brandishing like an imaginary card from the touchline. So, like you said about Solanke telling um, Rob Jones to, that it should have been a red for Bolly at the start, it's obviously like an in, a, a tactic of Bournemouth to, to try and influence the referee. Because yeah, to be stab, stood up and doing that when actually it was a completely fair tackle... It's 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 not on in any way.
1: No, and it's poor on Adam Smith as well. He was rolling around on the floor like he'd been shot. And if anything, he was the one fouling Bolly with his foot high and on the, stamping on Bolly's foot as he comes over the top of him, and he's the one rolling around and Bolly gets the red card. It's yeah. You need you need a strong referee to deal with that as well. And it, it was quite clear that Rob Jones isn't that referee. So yes, in the in the aftermath of the red card, Forrest brought Neocarte on for a to get a centre back on the pitch to replace Bolly. And this wasn't the end of the controversial decisions. Forrest had a, a cross in from the left hand side. It was Tofflo's cross. Smith was jumping to block it in the area. And. It looks like it hits his arm. It looks like it's in the penalty area from what I can see and the replays I've seen. It went to VAR, but they didn't give it. They deemed it to be outside the box, of the offence. That's what it said on the screen. Oh, on top of that, don't forget that Rob Jones waved it on anyway. He did. He did. And it was only VAR checking it, wasn't it, that <laughs> brought it back. But even then, at the time, I remember thinking, well, if that's, if it's an offence committed, then it's a free kick outside the area, but it wasn't brought back. So, so they are
0: not allowed to do that.
1: Yeah. So you—it's just baffling, really. What's it's going com-
2: on? It's common sense as well. He's like—he's made himself bigger first and foremost. It's hit his arm. Then the can't work out if he was in the box. Look where his feet are. He's in the box. He hasn't. He's not like Mr. Potato Head from Toy Story. Is he? he detached his arms and put them yeah. at the other end of the pitch. And he's not like he's,
0: leaning. He's—he's he's still up straight. He's not like leaning, so his arms are outside yeah. the box while his feet are in.
2: It's It's another awful decision, and it's like, but yeah, VAR. But
0: if, one of those, if, if if Jones had given it, and yeah. then VAR checked it, they'd have said yes, that's a penalty. Whereas because he waved it on, and then play like again, play continued for like a minute afterwards before VAR got involved. Yeah, and, and that their rulings start, like to go with the referee's decision.
2: Yeah, because I, I was sitting up at Bridgeford so it was at my end right, directly in front of me because as you look at the pitch, I'm just to the right of the goal and I says that's a penalty all day long mm. and he's going he's gonna to go and be asked to go to the screen. And then uh, Zabani's right, bicycle kicked it out for a throw because um, I think there was an issue, save from Neto and then the ball was dead. I thought, oh, this is going to be a penalty. and To come to that uh, conclusion, then somebody said around us, oh, um, they couldn't work out the camera angle because, um, or the camera angle wasn't in a great position because they couldn't determine if his arm was in the box. I'm like, what a, on a half-assed conclusion that is because you know, you can see where the line is. And it's, again, it's like people who um don't seem to be like played at any level of the game because anybody can thing, work that out. The other
0: thing there is it's like, what's the point of it if you haven't got enough cameras to check it? <laughs> yeah.
2: The same thing happened at Anfield. Was it in the cup a couple mm. of years ago? And it's like, I think we wasn't in the championship at the time. We was all thinking, um, yeah, we, it was basically all thinking. Well, you're one of the most elite grounds in the country, Anfield, and you haven't got the right camera angle. It's mm. just, it just, it just seemed to be like, oh, is that intentional? That because I don't want to make it a Liverpool pro VAR or anti VAR. It's like, well, have you done that so they can get? a certain decision their way kind of thing. But yeah, it's just the morons what are um, running VAR, isn't it? It's, there's so many grey areas and you, football's become not a very enjoyable sport, especially in the Premier League. You, you, the goal goes in, you you don't feel that you can fully uh, appreciate or celebrate a goal because you, you're you just waiting for the screen in the far corner saying yeah. VAR. It's like that one, uh, was it the, against Burnley early in the season What hudson Adoy? They were trying to find anything to disallow that. And they couldn't, and it's like, yeah. and but so, but yeah, the uh, yeah the VAR and the idiots what are running it are not fit for purpose, and we obviously suffered again yesterday because of a a very very iffy um, VAR decision. Yeah, I
0: just I don't I, I I think it's at least when a referee makes a mistake and doesn't see something or calls it wrong then it's on one person and and yeah, people are going to make mistakes and they'll cause something wrong. But when you've got a whole team of people and they're failing, as soon as you try to get that, as soon as you bring lots, lots of people into it, then it's what, like three people that have to make the same mistake or aren't allowed to act because of stupid rules. It's, it just doesn't make any sense to me.
2: Yeah. So, but... Uh... But but yeah, it ruined the game. Um, going back to the Bali one, it ruined the game, and it's like an uphill challenge because you're not playing against 11 men. You're play, effectively playing against like 12 and 13, and because of obviously the well 14, and um, because of the, the um, refereeing on two officials, they were just they're just awful yesterday. Some of the decisions what they gave uh, were just baffling. The
1: 1865 match report. Tis the season for festive football. And what's the best way to watch it? Well, it's down at your local Green King Sports pub, of course. After all, Christmas is a time to catch up with your friends, old and new, and to get to your local for a pint, some food, and live action of every Christmas cracker when it comes to Premier League football. Each fixture from TNT, Sky, and Amazon is live at Green King Sport, which means wall-to-wall action on the huge HD screens, so head to your local Green King and watch every winning goal, top bins, volley and yes, dodgy VAR decisions in an atmosphere worth sharing. Download the Green King Sport app and you'll receive 10% off drinks every single time. They're sport on the telly and you'll be supporting us here at 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Now it's back to your match report. So it was nil-nil at half time. Uh, I think there was some booze around the city ground aimed at the referee and the match officials as everybody walks off the pitch. Um, not to be uh, too surprised by that, let's say. Uh, but in the second half, Forrest made a change at the break. Callum Hudson O'Doy came on for Oral Mangala. And two minutes into the second half, Forrest took the lead. And it was a goal which was really created by Chris Wood. He dispossessed a Bournemouth player and fed the ball out wide to Alanga. He then slotted it first time into the far corner. Really nice finish, well taken. And Forrest
2: against the odds were 1-0 up. What were your views on this one, Tom? Um, it was a... Chris well, Wood closed the play down, didn't he? And uh, nicked the ball. Um, and there was like a bit of dilly-dallying in the uh, back line for... Um, Bournemouth but I thought the um, in real time I thought the pass was not the greatest pass yet. I thought he didn't put enough pace on it but thankfully Alanga's like ran onto it and he's slotted it past the Netter and it was a really good finish and um, and I just thought right you, you've got something to hold on to now um, which we'll come on to because uh, after a few minutes after it was um, back to what um, he scored and it was 1-1 and it's like but yeah, it was a, I thought Chris Wood had probably better, if not best game for Forrest yesterday. I thought his work rate was outstanding and it took his goal really well, which we will mention uh, later on. But yeah, I thought he um, played well yesterday, put a decent ball in for a and he slotted it home and we're 1-0 in front.
1: But again, Forrest struggle when they go in front to hold on to Leeds. It was a problem under Steve Cooper and it, something again which was evident yesterday and within four minutes Bournemouth were level. It was Solanke with a header, uh, sort of a looping, glancing header that sort of over the over Turner's head. I'm looking at it, I, I do think maybe he should have done better. He seemed he seemed rooted on his line, but for somebody with Turner's height, he didn't seem to get a lot of spring in trying to tip the ball or save it. Uh, would you agree? I think, I don't understand
0: why Turner didn't get anywhere near it. It was like, he didn't come out to stop it in the first phase. And then when the, but, but then the point of being on your line is then you're you're in a position to to deal with whatever happens after that. So he did neither of those things right, not the first or the second phase. And yeah, I think he should have done better there.
1: And then a few minutes later, it was Solanke again, making it 2-1 to Bournemouth. And it, Forrest failing to deal with balls coming into the box. And I think it's Murillo here who gets outjumped by Bournemouth player. And it falls to Solanke in front of goal, and he's not going to miss that as he slotted it into the bottom corner. 2-1 Bournemouth. But I'm, lo- I'm looking at this goal, and you, you you look at Murillo and think, yeah, he he hasn't got that aerial presence, has he, that you normally expect from your centre halves?
2: I, I just think Murillo has been one of our well our best player in the last few um few months since he's come into the side and everything. But I think um I, I think when the ball's on the floor, he's brilliant. But when it comes to an aerial duel, I think a lot of teams are targeting um him because Richarlison got in between him and uh, Bali, or was it him and Neartie last Friday? Same happened again. There's a lot of um, teams were putting the ball in the in between our two centre halves, and is whether it's a distinct lack of communication because there was one of the goals yesterday. Neartie is looking at Murillo, and they're just like that with like the hands held out, and it's like there's no dialogue. So is it a communication thing? But um, but yeah, a lot. Of, First and foremost, you've got to stop the source. We let too many crosses come into our box. And if you look at majority of the goals, what we've conceded in the last six or seven weeks, it's crosses into the box. It's usually in the same area. Um, we might get contact to the first ball, but we don't sort it on the second. Um, there's a lack of um, miscommunication, lack of understanding. Then somebody just nips in and it's a goal. And I think Nuno's got a hell of a job on his hands. I mean, one of the saving graces that I think you mentioned, Baz, before that, Nuno does a lot of defensive drills, and um, we need that because you look at some of the goals. And I mean, you know, if you some if you if a goal goes in and we've absolutely been ripped apart. Buy some intricate passing and this, that, and the other, and the goal goes, and you think that's just quality. Or if someone has had a shot like a bit like Bernard, Bernardo Silva last year when he scored against us, that's quality. But we've got to help ourselves. The goals what we concede, you wouldn't. It's like Sunday League stuff. Some it it's poor goalkeeping in, in terms of just seems to be no confidence with the goalkeeper at the moment. I, I don't rate the goalkeeper. Um, And then the back four, they're just at sixes and sevens, aren't they? And I think as a collective, that's why we're conceding goals. We we don't stop the cross. um, And some of the decision-making is is just awful. And, yeah, he's got a big job on his hands to sort us out to be defensively sound.
0: When it comes to defending, yeah, we're just not doing the basic stuff. Our positioning's off. We're we're slow to react to the second phase. But for that goal as well, the, the Bournemouth second, I think... I thought at the time, and I haven't properly looked at looked at it back, so maybe I'm wrong, but I thought Turner's positioning as well. So he makes a massive leap to try and get across because Solanke sort of comes across him, shoots across him, and doesn't quite reach it. But I think his positioning was was wrong. He was too far over the other side of the goal for for what was happening on the pitch. So um and I mean yeah, that these things happen, but they seem to be happening consistently to us, which suggests it's a systemic thing rather than just uh, just like uh, we're unlucky to to lose against the battling side.
1: After Bournemouth scored though, Forrest did rally and had a good 15-20 minute spell where they were on top. Um the they didn't really create a huge amount of chances. They had the Gibbs White one, which I think actually might have come after the equaliser where he cuts inside, bends a shot and it's cleared off the line well by one of the Bournemouth defenders. But the goal for his equaliser, this was 74 minutes. It was a corner, which was won by Ryan Yates. He was right in the far corner of the pitch, didn't really have anywhere to go. He had some Bournemouth players around him, won the corner. Ball was swung into the box by Morgan Gibbs-White. Chris Wood meets it and heads it back across goal, and it finds its way into the corner. I think it does take a nick off a Bournemouth player. That's what carries it through and into the net. Chris Wood wheels away in celebration. And yeah, it, it felt a bit a bit of justice from Forrest's point of view after what had happened in the afternoon that we'd got an equaliser.
0: I was fully expecting VAR to overturn it because um, a Bournemouth defender sort of went down just before it and I was like yeah they'll, they'll, they're going to rule this one out for Chris Wood having shoved him or something like that so I was very surprised and it stood.
2: Yeah I'm just watching the goal again on the second screen um, at home here and um, yeah he's got two hands in his back um, whether he's gone down a bit too easily he's already on his way down as the ball comes in whether that's put that decision in our favour but yeah um, when I look back on it I thought because um, it was on the big screen, I thought, well, oh, they might rule this out. And thankfully, at the time, they didn't. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, I, I think it was, there was definitely a lot going on in the box, but thankfully for us, the goal was given. And at 2-2, two, two, it felt like a, a decent point, given the circumstances that, that Forrest would have been able to take. And... Yes, I did say. I said to
0: the bloke next to me. Um, now that it's two-two, I do think, unlike most games, we do look capable of scoring, so we could win this one. But what's more likely is we're going to concede two and collapse.
2: Yeah, we we do find a way, don't we? You know, like other teams, they're like the, um, when they go down to ten men, they were like, right, let's see this out. Everybody close ranks and everything. No, not us, Charity FC, right we've got it we've done the hard part we've got it too, all right let's think of a way to give them uh, three points and we bloody do it don't we and, every time yeah and I'm just watching the um, the goal back and yeah we'll, we'll mention it in depth in a second but yeah, I, I think the goalkeeper has got to do a lot better yeah
1: just before that though the, the Gibbs-White chance I mentioned that did come after the equaliser it was Nico Williams down the right hand side swings across in Chris Wood Gets a connection on it, but it falls to Gibbs White at the back post. He bends one towards the far corner, and it's Watara on the line who clears it away. If that goes in, who knows? Forrest might go on and win the game and hold on, and it's 3 2 the other way, but wasn't to be. And two minutes into four minutes rather into stoppage time, it was a deep cross from Adam Smith, swung into the box. Solanke. Gets a leap in. Nobody's really challenging him. I think it should be Nia Carte in there who should be challenging with a header. He doesn't. And Solanke directs it back across goal. Matt Turner gets a palm on it, but it's in the back of the net. Bournemouth win. That's the goal that wins it for them, 3-2. But again, you look at that goal and you just think it's Forrest's undoing. Again, balls into the box, not doing the defensive basics. And again,
2: I think poor goalkeeping. Nobody, nobody's taking responsibility, right? So Solanke is on a rich vein of form at the moment. He's what, six foot two, something like that. All right, Kiefer Moore's in there. But what do Forrest do? They let the ball come into the box. And the most capable bloke who's already got two goals in the afternoon, we're not marking, lads. And, um, and we'll see what happens. The ball goes in. Near Carti, he's the nearest one to him. It goes in, and it's again, Charity FC again, isn't it? They don't do the basics. You just think like, all right, we've got it all. We're down to ten men. Let's get the basics right here. Everybody knows who they're picking up, and it's like everybody's looking around, thinking, "Well, he wasn't my man. He was your man. Oh, no, he's not mine." It's the, like a the blame culture, isn't it? And and that's, um, why we're in this position because nobody's taking responsibility. There's no leadership out there. There's no communication. And that's why we're shipping goals left, right and centre. And they're not great goals. We're conceding and we're in a tailspin at the moment because I was saying earlier that um, before we started recording, you got Luton, Luton are fighting tooth and nail for everything in the Premier League. And you look at them and thinking they're probably not great to watch, but they've, they've got a mentality that... They've got that fighting spirit. Uh, Sheffield United, I mean, they weren't great against Villa, but they got a point at Villa Park. Burnley is starting to get in the odd like win. And they have like been on the ground for um majority of the season, thinking, well, where's well, this is the next win going. And they're like trying to get like a they're looking to get a bit of momentum now and they will got to start stringing some decent results together. And they're like in the ascendancy of hope. well, Luton of um have been getting out of the relegation zone and everything. And we're like been up in the air and everybody's been saying, oh, we won't go down. There's three worst teams as us. The three worst teams than us are starting to pick up points and wins and having like a purpose. We don't. We're like, we're like a helicopter in stall, aren't we? Where we're up there. It's, and the worst thing is the crash down. And that's it's what really, really like.
0: reminds me, which is kind of horrible, but uh, for, Older listeners, it's like uh, when we went down in '92, and everyone was saying throughout the entire season, "You're too good to go down, too good to go down." It's like three worst teams, and us, three worst teams, and us, three worst teams, and us. But the, the way we, we're playing, actually, they're not worse than us; they're they're better than us. Maybe not yeah. Sheffield
2: United, but but that but with Wilder going in there, they put um, and he's been there before. He will get them like um, fighting. I'm not saying Nuno's not going to do that because we all um, believe he will. But but yeah, but it's then if it's only Sheffield United who are worse than us, we're still gonna be in that because mm-hmm. the other two have probably like have got that like um, momentum to uh, to get out of it. But but no, it's um it, it's a bit like Leicester last season. I mean, they were saying it, oh you've got Madison, you got Vardy, and you got players like that, we won't go down. Then next minute, April comes. They had that key game down at Fulham, they lost it. And then they never got it back, did they? And they ultimately went down. Brendan Rodgers got the sack. Dean Smith come in too late. I mean, um, Esperto Santos come in and Lisey's got this week or so to evaluate the squad, go into the January market and hopefully get some uh, decent recruitments, um, i.e. a goalkeeper of decent quality, which isn't going to be easy because we was on about it last night uh, when went on. Um, with a few of my mates out in town, was on about the goalkeeping situation. We couldn't give Samba the contract he deserved, but we've spent all that money and the loan fee on Dean Henderson. We're spending um, all that money on Navas in terms of wages. We've spent 16 million quid on two, effectively, number two goalkeepers. I'm not saying Moss has done much wrong, but when you look at the stats, the goals conceded against the saves is made. It's not in Moss's favour. Got Horvath, who's a number two. You got Wayne Hennessy, who's near enough at the end of his career. You got Matt Turner, where Arsenal didn't have any faith in him to be their number two, never mind number one. And yeah, I just I don't think Matt Turner is that good of a goalkeeper. We spent seven million quid on him, and he's apparently he didn't kick a football until he was fifteen, and he looked so jittery. And I think people say, oh, he's a good shot stopper. You need a bit more than that in the Premier League. If you're going to try and retain possession, and you've got to play the ball back to the goalkeeper, and he's an absolute bag of nerves, and then the back four hasn't got any confidence in him. It's like you mentioned, Baz, with uh, Williams. He put in a slide challenge because he didn't want to give the ball back to Turner. That tells you everything. Um, So, yeah, I I don't think Matt Turner's a very good goalkeeper and that third goal what Solanke scored yesterday he gets a palm on it and I think he should be saving that
0: uh, and yeah say, people say he's a good shot stopper there's so many like at least two, three this season where he's got his, got his hands to it and it's gone through his hands so he's yeah. not even that good a shot
2: stopper yeah yeah. Um, the, the, the Brentford one when they scored from that set piece he got mm. two hands on that and it squirmed past him um, but yeah I, I was quite surprised to see him Um, playing yesterday because after what happened um, against Spurs I thought but it just goes to show you that both goalkeepers they've had a few games and we're not 100% convinced are we?
1: No and it's a big job I think that Nuno's got on his hands now all of these different areas to improve and, and yeah start to get some results as well The
0: 1865 Match Report You're listening to 1865,
3: the Nottingham Forest podcast. Hello, this is John from the Cherry Red Army YouTube channel. Full-time score 3-2, same result as last year, but obviously under very different circumstances. The main talking point will obviously be the referee decisions, or at least from a Forest perspective they are, I'm sure, Um the Willie bolly second yellow just isn't even a foul, let alone a second yellow. And I don't think any self-respecting Bournemouth fan would have, would agree with the ref's decision. And the Adam Smith handball for a penalty, which if there were slightly different camera angles set up in the stadium, you would have got a penalty for. So we certainly got a massive slice of luck uh, in those decisions. Um, not the first time that's happened against Forrest, but... You know, sometimes, sometimes it's just the way that goes. For us, I think that I'm disappointed we didn't control the match better. It really didn't look like it was 11 against 10 for long periods of that game. Uh, and I do think losing Lewis Cook early contributed to that, who's been a really key player. Player in in our, in our midfield dominance in a lot of games recently, and obviously Alex Scott comes on for him, who we all rate really highly and have a lot of faith in. But he loses the ball unnecessarily to Chris Wood for the first goal within a couple of minutes of the second half, and then I think we're a bit unlucky for Chris Wood's Chris Wood's goal because you know it takes a little deflection off uh, Sinisterra, who was wrestling with Yates in the area, um, and stops it from being an easy save for Veneto. But the Bournemouth goals um just didn't see Dom Solanke having that quality in headers. Um, you know, we turned forty million down for him in the summer from West Ham and God, you would be lucky to get um you know, team, teams won't be getting him for less than sixty at <laughs> this rate, uh, off us, us and it's gonna be teams bigger than West Ham that are coming for, for Solanke off particularly after a performance like that and you know, his ability to hold up the ball, dribble through players. His finishing has just gone on to another level this season. It really is just um one hell of a weapon to have in a team and uh, i 'm hoping he stays beyond the summer mm-hmm. um He certainly won 't be leaving in january that 's certain. but as for our season well we're we are verging on a top of our finish now and we 've just had a fourth away win in a row in the premier League any record for the club, which is very impressive for a team outside of the big outside outside of the big six and and others are looking to to breach the the European league, uh, Euro- European places. And for forest, you know, it's, it's one of those games. Um, I would, I would be more heartened by a lot of the aptitude that was put in by the players and the effort that was shown. I personally think that Nuno is a, is an upgrade on Cooper. And whilst it'll be a bit tricky at first, I think given some time, do some good business in January, sell a lot of your deadwood. Um, I reckon you'll be, uh, you'll be absolutely fine this season. Although I'm sure the, uh, Other results on Saturday made you a little bit nervous.
1: What what are your first thoughts on Nuno and the first performance? Anything really of note to take away from it outside of
2: things where Forrest need to improve? I don't think we can take a lot from it yesterday because it was ultimately ruined after 22 minutes. So, you you don't know. He was like, basically, well, this is the hand what I've been dealt with because of that incompetent referee. And within 22 minutes, I mean, he he didn't have long with the players. I mean, Cooper, unfortunately, left um, because obviously results weren't great on Tuesday. Um, And then he's only had probably a few training sessions. So, to try and get his ideas across, then 22 minutes in, that happens. I don't think we can take much from it, to be honest. I think it's then you got two games against um, Newcastle where Newcastle absolutely decimated with injuries, but we've got to go up to Newcastle and try and get something. Cause you don't want three defeats in a week, do you? Um, in your first week as new manager, because that feel good factor and that like, energy, what you've brought to the job could like disappear within the first week. I mean, man, man, you'd like, I know the loss yesterday and that, they're up and down, aren't they, in terms of they'll have one result, then the next week they'll lose. So that's not going to be easy next Saturday uh, kind of thing, because they will, I don't know who they've got on Boxing Day. Um, but, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, he's, he's, there's not a lot to take from yesterday in terms of, because of what I happened some, in the game.
0: I had some positives from yesterday. Um, I thought Chris Wood was player of the match, which was nice to see. Uh, i was in, i actually felt like we could score mm. like in the second half which yeah good point over the over the last few months it's been like yeah every time the opposition's gone down to ten men we like yeah we'll just sit on the end of their box and not look like like ever getting the ball in the net whereas actually yesterday i thought that, that there's a good chance we could actually get three points here if we don't shoot ourselves in the foot um which is Nice to see. And um I thought that the um he was much more attacking in his outlook than I was expecting, because from what I'd read about how how Wolves used to play. Um and the other thing is I think I always had this image of him as being quite dour and, and whatever, but he's obviously being very, very careful in how he presents himself. Mm-hmm. He talks about us as the fans and stuff like that, so yeah. that that was quite good.
2: Yeah, um, you know, the I watched match of the day um, well this morning, and when that third goal goes in, there's two fans what walk, walk behind um, Nuno's dugout, and he turns to them. And they say something. I'd love to know what they actually said <laughs> to Nuno because Nuno like just looked like a bit downbeat after that, thinking. So yeah, yeah, I'd love to know what them two uh said but I thought any, any lib
1: readers out there get in touch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but um I thought Gibbs White had his best game of the season yesterday. Um I thought the try like you mentioned Baz. they try to like build it around him. And then when Mangola went off and I thought oh, they're putting my own, uh, they're putting Gibbs White bit in a deeper role here. And you've got like Billing in there who um He's what six foot plus, I thought. But I thought Gibbs White had a very, yeah. very good actually, game. Actually, when he played
0: that deeper role as well, I, again, I turned to the bloke next to me and said, "Actually, that this is working because he's got the work rate. Yeah, he can yeah. actually tackle some of the time, and and it's getting him on the ball so he can make things happen.
2: Yeah, and but people would like saying, "Oh, him and Nuno didn't get on." I think Gibbs White like, was very very young, and when you've got mm. like a midfield of Charmatini, Neves, he's not he's not really going to get into the side. So, um, and it was only like start of last season where before he moved to uh, Bruno large was like, I want to play Gibbs white. Cause I think he's got that maturity. Now he's had a couple of loans and everything. And Nuno probably missed that. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, Gibbs, White was fighting, I think he was like, kind of, I'm going to show you the player. What I've become since you saw me at wolves. And yeah, I think he's fighting spirit and, and everything. I thought he's brilliant. yesterday. I think the, the chance what he had at the Trent end, I think that would have probably hit, hit the post, but we'll probably never know because obviously the player was on the line. But yeah, I think, yeah, Gibbs White had a very, very good um, game yesterday. So that is a positive. Um, but I was more of looking at the collective about, you know, like patterns of play and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. with that, after that sending off, uh, I think that had a, like a massive... Uh, but also, I mean,
0: again, Nuno's not had the chance to... To impose his patterns of play on the players yet. So they're, they're still playing the same style or the same mistakes as we've been making. So, and I was saying for the, the game, yeah. So, one of the things that i read, read about Nuno at Wolves was that he worked a lot on defensive drills. And that gives me a bit of optimism because that's it's we've just said it, it's like we just keep making the same basic mistakes, not doing the, the stuff that a defender's supposed to do, uh not having the shape or the positional play that a defender's supposed to do and switching off. So hopefully some of those defensive drills, once he's had time to impose them, and obviously Newcastle away and Manchester United at home aren't on the best sort of preparation for that. But once he's managed to get those ideas into the players and if they can take it on board then that gives me a little bit of optimism as well
2: yeah and I yeah. really wish he registers himself as a player because he used to be a goalkeeper didn't he? yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> on that note we'll leave it there then and wrap up this match report we will be back with you with a match report after the Newcastle game but until then have a great Christmas enjoy yourselves and come and join us again after the Boxing Day game against Newcastle which hopefully won't be as controversial. Here's hoping. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you soon. Network.